worship leaders, worship musicians, and those who love to worship. There are so many new worship songs out right now, it can be hard to choose which ones you're going to play on a Sunday morning. Well, today I want to help you choose the best. We're going to look at what makes a great worship song, one that serves your community well, and what songs have production gimmicks which kind of distract you from the problems in that song. Let's talk about it. Welcome to the Worship Homestead. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about gimmicks versus the groove in worship songs, why you should choose songs that have a groove and not just have production or songwriting gimmicks in them. But before we get there, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free guide, Worship Booster Pack. It has PDF manuals and online workshops for all aspects of worship leading, how to build a better band, 10 commandments of worship songwriting, cheat codes for church sound, and much more. Again, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, or click on the link nearby, blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. All right, let's talk about gimmicks and groove in worship music. A groove is a rhythmic fingerprint that permeates a song from top to bottom. Here's what I mean. The best example I can think of is We Will Rock You by Queen. Everybody knows it. It's boom, boom, slap, boom, boom, slap. We will, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's going on there? Why does that song work and it only has a vocal and a kick drum for most of the song? Well, because our ears hear the outermost parts of music before we hear the inner parts, meaning the melody and the bass. We hear the top and the bottom really, really well. The inner stuff, not so much. So for a song to have a groove, the top, the melody, and the bottom, the bass and the kick drum, need to match one another. And they perfectly do that in Queen's We Will Rock You. So when you hear We Will, We Will Rock You and all of the lyrics of the verse, the emphasized words are supported by that kick drum on one and two and three and four and one and and three and if you're counting the eighth notes. That's what a groove does. A groove connects the bottom and the top part of your song together, and it punches the emphasized words so that the thing that really matters comes through, and that way everybody can sing along. A groove is shareable, and we'll talk more about that in a second, how important that is. But let's take it into a worship song. So I'm going to do a, a quick cover of Mighty to Save by Hillsong not promoting Hillsong necessarily, just saying this is an excellent example of song craft. So let's listen to the vocal, guitar, bass, and drums. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So what did you hear? You heard the exact same thing as in We Will Rock You. You heard bum bum, bum bum. You heard a kick drum and a bass, both hitting those eighth notes on one and and three and. But then we heard mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Mighty gets the emphasis, forever 
That emphasis happens when the kick drum happens. So the kick drum is supporting the important words of the melody so that they fit together. And of course, the bass is doing that and the guitar. It works within itself. It's what we call cogent. It all fits together like a nice package. What that means for the crowd, for your congregation, is that when you sing the song, they can immediately get with it. They can, they can agree with it in their bodies. Their feet tap, their, their shoulders move, they sing along, and the important words, mighty to save, the mightiness of God, is emphasized by the kick drum. That powerful groove is supporting the most important words. That's what I mean when I say that a groove is shareable. Once people get the song, once they know how to sing along, they can do that. They, they can sing that groove, and it doesn't matter how many pieces you do or don't have. So just to emphasize that, let's listen again, but we're just going to listen to the vocal and the bass. So the drums are gone, the guitar is gone, but you're still going to hear everything you need to. 80% of the song is still there with just the vocal and the bass. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Again, I've got a great singable melody and I've got a bass that's hitting the groove where it should. But what if you have even less? Now we're gonna go down to just an acoustic guitar and a vocal. Oftentimes, that might be all you have is just a vocal and an acoustic guitar. Well, if your song has a groove, you can still make it groove with just two instruments. Let's listen. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. Again, even if it's one guy with a vocal and a guitar, that groove still holds. People can still participate in the song because they're getting that punch, that mighty to save the hits on one and and three and. That is a great example of a song craft. But it's not the only example. Matt Redman's Blessed Be Your Name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's called a four on the floor where you're kicking, you have the kick drum happening one, two, three, four, just driving, driving, driving. Well, that matches the lyric, blessed be the name, right? We're emphasizing no matter what, God, I'm going to bless your name. Well, we're emphasizing that with the kick drum, it all fits together. Or take the bridge of goodness of God by Bethel. Your goodness is running after, right? We have those two kick hits. Well, it again emphasizes the most important words of the song. So whenever you're listening to a new song that you're thinking, oh, this might be good for my church. Listen to the melody, is the melody singable, but then immediately skip all the guitars and all the bells and whistles and all the gimmicks that we'll talk about in a second and go down to the kick drum and the bass and feel it. Does it feel like it's getting in your body like those three other songs? If the groove matches the lyric and it's emphasizing the important words and it's something that you want to move to, 
Well, chances are your congregation will want to move to that. You're giving them another thing to agree with. Not only are they logically agreeing to the lyrics that they're singing, but in their body, they're agreeing to what's being played and sung as well. So that's what a groove does for a song. And grooves never go out of style. Even though all of some of those songs are old, you know, Blessed Be Your Name is pretty old, you could dust that one off again, play it on a Sunday morning, and the groove is so well-built that people will go with it be like, yeah, that's refreshing. I haven't heard that in a while. But now we get to the unfortunate topic of gimmicks. Gimmicks, I describe this way. They are optional extras that are destined to go out of style. So let's go old school for a second. You think back to the hymn days and, you know, Sister Ethel's going to get up and do a special and they put in the cassette for Amazing Grace and you hear, Amazing Grace. Oh, Remember that? Maybe some of you are, t- are too young to know, but that was a thing back in the day, that that really, really heavy vibrato on the vocal. That's a gimmick. It's a stylistic choice that we no longer make that choice anymore. It's an optional, optional extra that has gone out of style. Well, let's go to the 80s. In the 80s, it was, hey, what if we had a piano sound where every note had like a bell on it? So you'd hear bring, ding, ding, at all of the piano, it was very heavy piano era, but all of the piano sounds had chimes or bells on them or strings. That was a thing. Uh, early 2000s, it was the synth, right? Really big, heavy synth, dancey stuff. Optional extra right? Destined to go out of style eventually. And it, and that's kind of subsided. But let's talk about today's gimmicks and why you should be wary of them if you're not hearing a groove. First one's up. Pianos with hammer sounds at the front end. It's really popular now to kind of have the honky-tonk saloon piano, but not play it honky-tonk style. So you have that hammer clicking, you know, at the front of the note, but you're playing really simple stuff. That's the first one. Is it bad? No, not necessarily. It's just going to go out of style eventually. So don't pick a song because, oh, I love that sound. Well, you love that sound because it's it's trendy right now, but that doesn't mean that the song is any good. The next thing I'm hearing a lot right now is going for a high note and then wiggling it down. You know, so they might sing something like, how great is your love, right? Okay, that, that's fine. Um, Are we going to be singing that in five or ten years? Probably not. Um, It's not going to really work as a cover because it will sound hokey, just like vibrato on Amazing Grace. So if you want to do it, fine, but, you know, don't think that that's a great melody. No, it's, it's just a hook. It's a gimmick. The next one is a highly affected vocal performance. And by an affect, I mean something that you're doing in your nasal cavity or your throat or with your vocal cords that's unnatural but maybe is trendy. So back in the day, that was vibrato on Amazing Grace. We don't do that anymore. But if you think of Adele or Lana Del Rey or for guys, if you think of like a country singer or like his his he's closing off his throat and getting these weird tones. It's trendy, but is it what you need for your worship song? Well, no, but sometimes people like that trend of a vocal performance, and so they think, oh, that song is great because I love that vocal performance. Well, guess what? If you don't have somebody on your team who can recreate that vocal performance, the distraction is going to be a problem right? Because you can't wow everybody like that artist who's so famous does. 
And here's the other problem with the highly affected vocal performance. It's not shareable. A groove is shareable. Once everybody gets the feeling of we will rock you or blessed be your name or mighty to save in them, they can, they can move with it and they can sing along because the song works. But with a highly affected vocal performance, all you can do is watch the performer, right? They stand up there, they sing the song, you watch it happen, but you can't enter in with that. It's not shareable, which means that you're going to have a congregation full of watchers instead of a congregation full of worshipers. And that's really important. So you have to pick songs that don't rely on your lead singer to carry the day because you put so much pressure on these lead singers to oversing or to make things happen or to, to give everybody a, an emotional response. Well, that you shouldn't have done that. You should have picked a song that could carry its own weight that everybody participates in. And then all of a sudden the responsibility is distributed not only across the band and the singer, but the congregation. Everybody gets to participate in it rather than just watching the star do her thing or do his thing. Here's another one that's popular right now, the prominent vocal harmony. Right, So you might have two people whose voices blend really well, and you'll have one of them start, and then in that chorus, that really tight, really well-done harmony, but it's, it's pushed up really loud, so it's like a duet, comes in, and then on the second verse, the other person does the lead, and then you have another vocal harmony. Well, that's interesting because it keeps people's attention throughout the song. You've got one thing happening in the verse, different for chorus one, different for verse two, different for chorus two. But again, what happens if you don't have that knockdown, drag out star or those two people who can harmonize really well? What's well, going to be disappointing? And again, it's still a lot more, hey, let's watch this than let's join in like a groove is. Here's another one that's popular doubling your melody with an electric guitar. So you'll sing love, right? Everyone's singing that for some reason. And then the guitar goes. Well, that thickens up the melody. That's, that's good. Uh, but again, is the melody good? Not necessarily. It just has the support of an electric guitar, and that's just a gimmick. Again, it's an optional extra that will eventually go out of style. So don't get distracted by big-sounding guitars, especially if you don't have those big-sounding guitars. It doesn't mean that people are going to participate. They might just watch. And if you don't have the guitars then it's disappointing. And finally, the oldest trick in the book, turn up the crowd mics. This one is really popular nowadays. It seems like there are no more studio albums for worship music. All worship albums are live, which means that you hear everybody singing and everybody clapping, and it sounds live and it sounds really exciting. Well, the problem with that is that it psychologically tells you everybody's doing it. It must be a good song if everybody's singing it. It doesn't mean that it's a good song. It means that they turned up the crowd mics, and that's all it means. You have to judge the song based on its melody and its groove. Those are the two things that matter. That's what you can share with people. If you don't have a massive 5,000-person stadium, well, it's going to be disappointing if the song is disappointing. So don't get distracted by all that production. Don't get distracted by the crowd if the song can't hold its own weight. It's so important that all churches choose groove songs over gimmick songs, but it is especially important if you're a one-man show. If you're just playing the guitar and leading worship, or if you're just on the piano, you need 
to bring everybody in. You need everyone's help to hold that groove together. And the good news is when you have a groove that works, it's like the song plays itself. You just like, don't mess it up. Just keep it going at the same tempo and let the song ride. But if you don't have a song like that, it is, oh, it's like pulling teeth. It, it hurts because you're trying to oversing. You're trying to grapple all this technology. Well, what if I brought in a synth pad or what if I brought in some other stuff that would build this thing out and make it big because I want it to sound like the record? No, no, no. The problem is that they had to add a bunch of stuff to the recording to overcome the fact that the song didn't groove. And then you got distracted by that, you picked that song, and now that you don't have any of that stuff, you can't figure out why the song doesn't work anymore. Well, that's your reason. You also will run into this problem, that your library of available songs shrinks. For whatever reason, a lot of young songwriters have gotten distracted by gimmicks too. And the technology has made it so that you can have, you know, multi-tracks filling out everything with synths and, and all the rest of it. And so it has kind of made songwriters flabby and lazy. They don't have to think about how to layer in the bass and the vocal so that they groove together. That's all done in the songwriting room. That's not done in the production room. The production room just says, what's the groove and let's build it out. But if you don't have a groove in your song to begin with, then you end up reaching for all the gimmicks I talked about. And again, those trends come and go. But what they're doing is if they're writing songs that are all gimmick and no groove, it just means that it's sticking a knife in your ribs when you're trying to play those songs on a Sunday morning. So there aren't as many people writing those great groove songs. You're going to have fewer songs to choose from. And in my opinion, that's okay. Because here's the other thing, you could write them yourself. If you go and dissect the great songs and figure out what about that groove makes that song work, you can do the same thing for yourself. You can absolutely write a song that works on just acoustic guitar and vocal for an entire congregation. I know you can. It takes work, it takes a while, but it is incredibly fulfilling. So what I would do is pare down my worship set list and go for the stuff that really works, don't get distracted by the gimmicks, and start writing your own material. Hey, I hope that video helps you, and I hope that you listen with fresh ears next time a new worship song comes out. Listen to the melody. Listen to the bass. Do they work together? Does it get everybody moving? And all the rest of the stuff will eventually fall by the wayside. It will fall out of style, but the groove will last. Again, if you need resources for your own worship team, go to blueprintsounds.com forward slash worship booster pack. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.